Welcome to Capital P and People Work. I'm your host, Gabby Lubin, and I'm a three-time burnt-out professional. I say that because it's my mission in life to co-create a world where burnout is the exception, not the norm. That's why I've brought you a full season on Capital P of episodes that center on workplace wellness. Together, we'll dive into what it means to really walk the walk of wellness in the workplace. Join me in chatting with people leaders, wellness CEOs, and workplace wellness providers to learn about all that there is in workplace wellness. Let's dig into the topic for today. Today, I am joined by Jessica Bench. Jessica is a Canadian Indian living in Switzerland and working as an agile coach in a pharmaceutical company. She has managed many high-profile organizational change projects and led employee engagement initiatives for over the course of 20-plus years. In 2019, she championed a grassroots movement within the company she worked. The focus was on upholding the company's values and psychological safety at work. Within two years, the efforts gained over 25,000 engagements. Jessica has now been recognized with more than 20 global awards for this initiative. She is now building a worldwide non-for-profit movement called Vanguard Voices on the topic of psychological safety. She deeply believes that we do not change the world simply by being quiet and perpetuating the status quo. We make positive change by confronting our fears and speaking out on our truth individually and collectively. A global cosmopolitan and humanitarian, Jessica has lived, traveled, or worked in close to 40 countries. She's married to a German South African, and together they have three young children. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. We are so honored to be able to share this story that you have that's really important and impactful and such ugh, psychological safety. See, I'm going to go over my own words today here. <laughs> but really excited to share this story. So Jessica, before we dig in, um, we want to always make sure we value both the human and their accomplishments. So can you share with us, who are you as a human? Who am I as a human? So I have six flags on my door, on my front door. And the six flags represent Canadian Indian, which is my background, German South African, representing my husband and his background, um, Filipino for um, a girl we've, who is, belongs to our family, adopted as our own, and the Swiss flag on top. And so I am a human who believes that all across the world, we are the same. We all want to be seen, valued, heard, and loved. That's beautiful. Wow. I really think there's so much value in having such an international presence um, in your own life. So mm. I am one jealous, to be honest, and <laughs> also just, um, you know, excited for the perspective that you're going to bring coming from all of those nations on top of the work that you're doing. So really excited to dig in. How are you thinking, Jessica, about uh, people work right now? What's your capital P word? My capital P word by far is psychological safety. Um, <laughs> How do we guess? <laughs> but tell us why. I'd love to hear, you know, we're kind of digging into the story a little bit, but um, why does psychological safety kind of, has it grabbed on to you and, and your um, work so far? Yeah. So I've been, as you already mentioned, I've been working in large corporations for over 20 years. And one of the things that has troubled me over this time 
is that I've seen how there has been almost a code of silence at times in the workplace where people feel stifled to bring their um, you know, unique gifts, their unique talents and skills into their workplace. Um, and psychological safety is all about people being able to feel free to express their thoughts without fear. And it boggles my mind that we have fear in the workplace. There are other issues going on in the world <laughs> and, you know, on a bigger scale, but in the workplace where we have a common purpose, in theory, where yeah. we need to be focused on the company vision and, and, and we are hired to help, um, you know, bring work further, there should be no fear. We should be a team. And and linking arms, you know, together in in these efforts. So yeah. that's my keyword and my fundamental belief. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember we've spoken on this um, one time before that was not recorded, and you know, your energy for this topic just came through so deeply. And it's because of you know the personal experiences that you've had, which are you know, unique in that you experience them in this exact way, but not unique in that many people don't realize that they have had experiences where they haven't felt psychologically safe, spoken up or felt that they couldn't speak up and, you know, not progress in that, in that workplace because of that. Um, so Jessica, can you walk us through when you were starting to builds this idea in your mind? Like, why, why did it come about? What were the circumstances that brought you to beginning this movement? Yeah, it's it's interesting because this has been building for some time. And, um, you know, I have the advantage of decades <laughs> of, of, of work experience. So I'm starting to see some patterns in my career. And, you know, of experiences I've been, been gone through and, of course, the stories that I've heard from people around me. But I think if I were to pin it down um, to, you know, a period of time when this was starting to really, you know, come into formation, this idea of building a movement, it was around five years ago my company started um, an Agile Transformation. And we were invited as employees to, or everyone in the company, to, invited to be more bold and more courageous. And at the same time, what I was observing was that on our engagement surveys, um, being able to speak up was consistently on the lower end. And how can we be bold if we have that fear of speaking up? And talk to us quickly about what role you were playing in the company at the time. I think that might be helpful for folks. Ah, so I was a chief of staff, a business manager uh, within this team. So that was a unique role in that I was involved in leadership meetings as well as close to people in teams, you know, my, right. my peers. And so I could hear stories from all angles. And we're a heavily networked company anyways. We're a large global company. Um, so this wasn't isolated to just Switzerland. It's stories and 
um, experiences that were shared across the world. Um, you know, that I was hearing, that I was receiving, um, and again, from all levels in the company. So you, you, so you were in this role where you heard lots of different people sharing about this uh, challenge of wanting to speak up. You, I assume, saw the data from the engagement surveys that you were talking about. And then they said, hey, let's all be more bold and courageous. Like what happened there? It seems like kind of the opposite mix of, of worlds. Yeah, I was kind of connecting the dots. So with this agile transformation being that we need to be bold and courageous, and then I'm seeing this engagement survey, you know, one of many questions, but definitely on the lower end, this feeling that we, you know, there's there's a certain level of fear to speak up. I thought, well, we need to think about this differently because I've been in the company for a number of years and year after year, when we do these engagement surveys, this question tends to be, um, or the results of this question tend to be on the lower end. Mm -hmm. And while there have been actions in, in past years, all with great intent, somehow the actions wouldn't carry through, mm -hmm. you know, and um, we wouldn't get the results that we would expect. And again, I was, your question is a, is a very good one about my role, because I was hearing from both sides, the, the the different perspectives. I saw the good intent from leaders, and I I I felt the pain, and I heard the, you know, um, heard the ex experiences from from um, employees or from my peers. So it was around this time that I thought, let's do it differently. It shouldn't be a top down. It should be bottom up, top down, side to side. This involves everybody. This is our company. Right. It's not one person's company. It's everyone. It, we are all responsible for nurturing a safe workplace. But we do. And need, yes, there you're spending so much time at work, right? So yeah. even if it you don't have literal stake in the company or you don't feel like you're a higher up individual, you're spending a lot of time there. You deserve to have that sense of self, essentially, or autonomy or whatever, um, be able to speak up. Yeah. Absolutely. We all put in long, long hours. And especially in a global company where you're, you know, in our case, talking to um, Asia in the morning mm -hmm. and then North, North America in the evenings, this is not always an eight hour day. So <laughs> that's um, tough. That is tough, but it yeah. is the way a lot of people work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, work is an extension of your life there. It's a huge part of your life, like you said, and how you experience work very easily carries over into your personal life. So if you don't feel safe in the workplace, I am a hundred percent convinced that those stories you take home to the dinner table and your family is hearing about it. Your children are hearing the stories and that carries over into the weekends, into friends, you know, into society. So it's, it's, a. I think companies need to take this really seriously about how are they nurturing safe workplaces for their um, employees. So what happened then when they brought this to the table. What what happened with employees? Were they heard? Were their voices valued? So 
you know, this has been an ongoing conversation and you hear it in different town halls about how it can be addressed. Um, and you see it in anonymous surveys, anonymous questions that are raised in these, um, you know, poll questions being raised in these town halls. Um, I think you're, it, it comes to a point, especially if you've been in a company for a long time where you start to hear the same answers, you get an answer, but it doesn't feel like a true answer and it's not being pulled through. Yeah. And that's where I thought, you know what, I'm going to use the stage that I already have because I was already planning a set of events or doing a set of events. you know here in Basel <laughs> and 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 ask the audience about what do you think I have this idea about starting a grassroots group what do you think we all appreciate working for this company we have great values but maybe there's this disconnect that we can think we can help between what we say and how we behave in our day-to-day -day. and um so I I just took it on myself um, I did talk to a couple of leaders <laughs> going into the event. I understand the, you know, kind of the environment of our company. I just wanted to double check if there would be any big concerns. Um, and um, there, there weren't from the, from the few leaders that I spoke with. And um, in making this announcement on stage at, in front of an audience of over 400 people, I, um, I received quite a resounding um, appreciation for the idea. Um, and I saw that through um, the signups of people, the people who who signed up for this core group uh, for when we started, um, yeah, soon after the event. That's awesome. So people were energized, they were on board, you were kind of their leader in it. You started forming this group. What was the group doing? Yeah. So first of all, we would meet, this was above our day jobs. So mm -hmm. we would meet literally every Friday at lunch and we would meet in one of these meeting rooms that nobody ever uses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's like bottom floor of, of, of one of our buildings and with no lights, no wind or no windows. So no natural light coming in. Um, it felt like a war room and actually it felt great. You know, <laughs> it's like the secret group coming in every week and we're trying to figure Delphi. out how are we, we going to strategize? What are we going to do next? Yeah. And it, it did have a really nice feeling. I, I mean, to me, that was the, the glowing example of a team that I want to work with every day. Um, because people came in and we saw tears, we saw anger, we saw so much raw emotion, whatever, you know, depending on the topic we were talking about. And that bound us together, you know, as a group. Um, we shared a lot of frustrations because this was a journey that we were taking. It wasn't just, um, this was over three years, um, you know, together. And, um, yeah, there was, uh, a lot that we were talking about in terms of how do we navigate the 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 environment in order to show up in a way that is not seen as rebels that is not seen as 
you know, anti our company, it's actually everything is for the company. And we had to like also temper a lot of our, our messaging. We were very aware communications were very clear. So yeah, it was um, a great time for us just to come together and, and, and share our thoughts and plan our what, what did you end up doing from that? What, what kind of things were you able to try, I guess, because I think a lot of people can relate to this, especially nowadays, this is a little bit more because this was pre pandemic, um, that this um, group was organized. But now post pandemic, I think there are a lot of different topics that people are pretty frustrated about at work. And it, maybe they have psychological safety, maybe not. But this idea of like organizing and speaking up is hard. It's really yeah. hard. So what were you all able to do? So you have to know your organization very well, the ins and outs. And so for us, um, one of the big things that we did was organize global events. So we were very aware this is, should not be Switzerland only focus or Basel focus. We're a global company. So global events. So that means we need to book the auditorium, that auditorium that holds 400. We need to get the, um, you know, the webcast, the technicians really make this a professional show, if I can say it like that. And and um, so global events was a big thing, which were recorded. Um, we did advertising, you know, within the company using the channels that we were aware of. Um, and we did everything differently. We had a um, an illustrator who who drew kind of cartoons um, to kind of soften the message as well, because, you know, people don't get angry, you know, as upset when they see a cartoon, I think. And yeah. and, and it made us stand out because we didn't want to apply corporate jargon in our messaging. Uh, we wanted to be as real and raw as we could, as far as we could take it, let's say, yeah. under, under um, the, you know, the constraints of, of, yeah, the, that, that we were in. Um, so I would say if somebody wants to start a movement within their own company, they have to have a very good idea about, you know, what's possible. And in the virtual world, everything's possible. I, I think, you know, it's easier in one sense, easier to set up a, a Zoom call. You have to find the distribution list. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can you can do a lot um, with with creativity and courage. Yeah. So, yeah, just just to finish, though, with global events is what we mainly focused on. We did a series of those over the over the years. We did focus groups. Uh, where we met in smaller groups and got their ideas and received their stories. We did stories campaign as well, um, where we were receiving hundreds of stories, anonymous stories and publishing these. Um, we had an online community as well. So what, what were people sharing about? Well, it was their experience with, you know, not feeling that they had psychological safety. And that was something that you shared with every person at every level. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We needed to collect those stories in order to have um, credible conversations uh, mm -hmm. with the leaders that we were meeting. And we easily met with 60, 70 leaders in our organization mm -hmm. and, and able to pull out so many examples without yeah. mentioning names because this was not about naming shaming or anything like that just right. generally saying these are the type of situations that are going on 
Yeah. And um, I think leaders don't often hear these stories. There, there's sometimes a, a barrier, um, you know, between hierarchical levels. People are afraid. It goes back to being fear, fear of telling sometimes truth, truth to power. Um, so yeah, the stories helped us in those discussions. I mean, I can't, you know, having no, knowing some of the research in HR specifically, which you were not in HR, but doing now some work that is tangential to HR or things that they, they could have been champion, championing, um, you know, less than 50% of people are truthful on their HR surveys. And so it's, it's maybe even beneficial that you are someone who is outside of that space, asking people to, you know, lean in or share anonymously. And I think that word anonymously is so key because if you don't start there, at least, although, you know, I guess <laughs> there's a reason you're standing up there and saying it. Yeah, <laughs> and there are re there's a reason why people came into that um that community group with you, but being able to bring in more people's voices anonymously is just the most important thing, I think. Without having ever done this, so to be fair, I don't know. I'm not the expert. Um, so important. Yeah, I mean, we were very aware. How do you how do you cut through fear? <laughs> um when there's so much fear? How do you make people feel safe while still bringing, bringing the stories up? So we are very sensitive to that, that everything, first of all, we need to keep the integrity of um, you know, what we were doing. So our promise was that we do not reveal who we receive these stories from. And in fact, um, not only did we use it in the conversation with leaders, when we were on stage and a lot of our videos were around sort of role-playing, you know, these, some of these situations, mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, describing them in, in, in videos or, and so it became, we brought the words to life, um, through these role plays, uh, whether on stage or, or online through the videos. So, so I have a few questions here before I know there's more parts of the story and I definitely want to get to it. My question is, and again, this is relevant, I think, to nowadays, um, what were the motivations of the, the senior C-suite team here? Because essentially they're getting their holes revealed. It's They're stripping down to seeing the the real version of their company through this effort. That to me, unfortunately, makes me feel as if a lot of executives don't want that to happen. They're fearful of that too and fearful of what employees would do from that. So, you know, what were their motivations for first letting this happen? And then how did that kind of change throughout the time? Yeah. It's interesting you use the words letting it happen. Um, because in one sense, we imposed ourselves. We, we broke rules while we were doing it. I mean, we knew the rules. But we went a little bit outside of the rules, not to the point where we would, um, you know, there would be reason to, to let us go in any way. 
But in many ways, we just continued because we believed this was the right thing to do. Yeah. And um, did we have resistance along the way? Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, yes, we did. Um, and we saw, and this is a human topic, it's not isolated to our company, but um, we saw how egos come to the table, insecurities are coming out, um, the sense of uh, protection, self-protection is coming out. Um, as we were talking about these very delicate topics in an environment which is generally speaking on the positive side. Now there's a term called po toxic positivity. Um, we may fall under that, ca that category, many companies do. And so um, in many ways leaders you know, they, they, there were many leaders on stage with us um, who came, you know, that also helped to promote the events. Uh, so we had leaders on stage with us because they have a sincere interest to um, make a change. And, and they know that there, there is opportunity on this topic. And so they joined us. Um, but there were some leaders who, who were defensive. And um, we did feel um, some repercussion uh, from that, ironically. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not surprising. Uh, we're humans are adaptable, but yeah. we're very resistant to change. Yes, yeah. Just in our human nature, we like routine. It works for us. Um, yes. Think of any habit you've tried to work in or alter and it is hard it takes a long time a lot of intentional effort and getting a bunch of people and it's a big organization getting them all on board to make that happen is challenging so what did happen did you create change from this or did this motivation the spark kind of ignite in you to continue it in a different place yeah well first of all I have to say that with COVID, the term psychological safety and everything we were championing in the company just exploded over the last couple of years. Yeah. So while we started this before COVID and there was, you know, a learning curve for us and the organization on this topic in, in many ways, um, the company has now embraced this and there are so much more awareness and training sessions and discussions um, about creating safe places at work. Mm. Now, what has ignited in me from this is, this is, as I said, not just a topic that is isolated to one company. It's a human topic. You see it all over LinkedIn. Everybody is, uh, more and more companies are talking about it. And I have a little bit of impatience, I have to say, because I've been doing this work for some time about just talking about it. I want to move into action. And I think that awareness is great, but we can't stop there. Um, I believe that we need to have a collective uh, movement, a collective cry on this topic to prioritize it in companies along the, uh, around the world. And that's why, and that's what has motivated me to start a not-for-profit association and movement uh, called Vanguard Voices. 
I think that there is a huge opportunity here and I want to link arms with as many people in the world as I can find uh, to make this a reality. It, yeah, it's, we got to capitalize on the energy that's already in this space. And by yeah. we, I mean, I do mean we, but like you, you're leading us here. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we did a panel, um, as you know, because we almost had you on um, about psychological safety. And um, I think a lot of it was, it's interesting, many of the panels that we talk about, transparency and communication are some of the just foundational things that are so necessary in order to move that forward. But I think, you know, transparency again and communication are kind of that first step, right? Exactly what you're saying, like awareness, awareness of a topic, talking about the topic, making sure it's there. What kind of actionable things could we be doing to actually make it a real thing? Yeah. So I think the opportunity for us is not just looking at it at the individual level, which a lot of people talk about. It all starts with us, of course. You know, we can control our own actions and we're all responsible for nurturing a safe place. But we can't stop there. There's also the team level. The team level as a, as a whole has their own culture and their own routines and their own um, habits and ways of nurturing psychological safety. You can't stop there. And many people do. I truly believe we need to go at the organization level. And at the organizational level, what we need to do is increase transparency and collective accountability. And there is so much here to unpack. Um, my best example of, of, of describing why it's important at the organization level is you take somebody who is being bullied, let's say in a team, and they are doing the best they can. They, you know, in terms of how to navigate through that situation. They talk to their colleagues, they get some sympathetic responses, but there's nothing changing. Hmm. They might go through the appropriate channels in their company. And sometimes it doesn't work for them. You know, they don't feel um, they're being heard. And for whatever reason, they might go through, um, counselors who might be offered through the company. Sometimes companies offer counseling services, but they don't offer enough power um, you know, or authority to, to inject themselves into this situation. They, a company might even have a speak up line, but that's not enough. What's happening is that you can do all the right things, but if a company has not embedded, first of all, a policy of prioritizing psychological safety, and then measuring and monitoring this. this is, if it's not embedded in the overall culture, then a person is lost. And usually the answer is, oh, you need to leave the team. You mm -hmm. need to find a new job. And um, perhaps the person who is um, the, the bully, because they are in a positional power, you know, just tends to stay. And so building processes like um, making employee engagement survey comments transparent is a way to encourage courageous conversation in the everyday. Making, um, providing um, upwards feedback as a regular process across the company starts to build that muscle of having conversations across uh, hierarchical levels. And there's so much more. 
but it needs to start at the top um, and, and, and all across the company. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, so I learned the term psychological safety back um, sometime in my education, um, edu- my education of education, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, since I'm a former teacher. And I can't remember if it was, it must've been in, um, I have no idea. It could have been in college. It could have been when I was getting professional development while as a teacher, but the term to me was, I was never thinking of it as an individual thing, which I think makes sense because as we're teaching it, teaching the term, it, it must mean um, a group of people that has an experience of safety essentially. Right. But in, in, practice we'll say or lack of practice maybe the individual's experience is what helps us realize there's not psychological safety right and I bet every single person who is listening right now has had an experience where they have not had this and it 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 hurts I'm not gonna lie like I'm thinking back to my own experiences it's hard for me to recall. These are things that we have to, like you said, go to therapy for. And, you know, some things are fixed and some things can feel better, but at the end of the day, it's not, you know, bringing it back onto the individual. Yes, they might leave. Also, it's not your job to have to stick it out and make it work just like Jessica has. It is okay to leave those circumstances, but there's also, you know, if you have that courage, if you feel courageous to step out there and to start having conversations about this or talking to your managers about not just your experiences, but the lack of safety, that's magical. Yeah, 100%. Um, workplace PTSD is a real thing. Um, and like you said, it can carry on for many, many, many years to come. And when an employee goes into a new situation, a new job, um, people don't are not always aware of the baggage that they're carrying with them. And like you said, almost everybody has what I call a bad boss story, in quotes, mm-hmm. um, or a toxic colleague story. And I would just add, you know, we talk a lot about workplace culture online. There's a lot more talk about culture online. And my definition of culture is what are the stories that people are talking about in the hallways? You know, as opposed to what are we saying on our fancy publications externally? You know, what are the legends? What are the stories that have come before you? When you when you first walk into a uh, into a company, and how aligned are we with what we say and what we do? I think um, those stories are really important, and uh, and and if we really want to change the culture, it starts with eye to eye conversation, and again prioritizing psychological safety at every level. Yeah, mm, I'm trying. <laughs> trying not to dig back into my PTSD story. So we'll, we'll move past that for now. <laughs> we'll have a separate conversation, you and I, about uh, the horror stories. But anyway, um, Jessica, I think this is such an important topic. I'm really, really just honored to have shared this story, to share 
the this movement. I think people hopefully are going to be really excited to also catch on to this and help support. So talk to us about what you're doing with Vanguard Voices and how we can support. Yeah, thank you so much um, for that question. So I am so keen to meet the people who want to lead the way on this topic, who are passionate about um yeah, about human beings <laughs> at work and um, that we all can truly live into our own purpose. So what they can do, first of all, is sign up um, through, through our website and they will join a community of passionate others. And with that community, I'm looking to, to collect stories. They can make a pledge and receive their digital badge. And we're going to do so much more. We're still in the early days. Um, but our intention is uh, to, to move out to different companies and help companies run their own internal movements um, with the employees within. So that just gives you a flavor of what we're thinking about. We are thinking big. We want to make a difference. Again, moving away, from, not just from the talk, but into real action and make a real difference in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, this is something that people are asking for. And hey, yay, Gen Z, they are speaking up more and more. So they're going to help us create some more psychological safety. So you have, some, you have some teammates in this work, Jessica. <laughs> um, amazing. So you heard where to find the company. Um, is LinkedIn a good place to connect with you as well? Absolutely. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Um, so definitely people can reach out to me there. Otherwise, vanguardvoices.com um, is, is the place to receive the info. Beautiful. Jessica, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It's an honor to have you on here. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Of course. I swear I learned so much from each and every episode on Capital P. If there is something that you are taking away from this episode, we encourage you to share it on social media, particularly our main channel on LinkedIn. Tag us, tag our guests. As always, thank you so much for listening, fam. We'll catch you next time to talk wellness in the workplace with other visionaries. You can find Capital P Tuesdays and Thursdays this summer on Spotify and Apple Podcasts with a brand new episode. Make sure to follow us and share with your favorite people people. See you next time. Mm-hmm.